0: Well, we're continuing on in our uh, study in Ephesians, and so I want to do a quick review. We're going to actually cover a lot really quickly, and so, <laughs> yeah, we're going to cover a lot really quickly. That's, uh, we'll see how that goes is there anything, name one or two things you know about the book of Ephesians. You might be able to even cut some time off of our review here if you know a thing or two about the book of Ephesians. People might rather hear from you rather than me. It was written to the church, written to the saints, right? Good. Where are these saints originally? Ephesus. What do we know about that city? It was a trade city. It was a, a major hub of commerce, so it was kind of like a very metropolitan area. We might think of it as a modern-day New York type of city. What else do we know? Heavy into, heavy, into heavy into idol worship. That was the thing they were most known, known for. They're a major port city, but what they were known for is the Temple of Artemis or Diana there. And in that temple, uh, it was one of the seven wonders of the world. People would come yeah. from all over. and Weekly, they would have a couple different celebrations where there would be parades to Diana. In that town. So it was is heavy into idol worship. So these people that are getting this letter are people that are living in big city with tons of idolatry and witchcraft and just a lot of evil things going on. They were very aware of spiritual the spiritual world, the spiritual realm. Good. Anything else? You remember? Books in three sections basically. Yeah, so we have a three word, we could we could say a three word outline. For the book. Does anyone remember what our three words are? What's the first one? Sit. Sit. And so that's the first three chapters. The first half of the book is talking about resting in, enjoying what God has done for us. What's the next word? So that's the first half of the book, is what God has done for us. It's kind of the doctrine or the theology. What's the next word? Walk. Walk. And so it says, he says, in... Uh, in uh, chapter 4, so kind of the hinge point of the whole book, you've learned all these things God's done for you, now walk worthy of that calling, or walk in line with all those things, and then the last part, it's in the last chapter, we kind of get this big, strong uh, challenge or charge to us to stand, and the idea is not just stand up, wobbly need, but that we would stand against the schemes of the devil. So sit, rest, soak in what God's done. Learn to walk in it, live it out in your everyday life. And as you learn to walk in it, then be one of those who are standing against the forces of evil. Good job, guys. Okay, so that's our review. You guys covered all that. We got our three-word outline. And quickly, you you did it faster than I would have done it. We've been given every spiritual gift. We learned that. In the first couple verses, we learned that we've been given every spiritual gift, and that's what Paul is kind of going on, this big, long uh, run-on sentence, we would call it, of praising God and saying, glory be to God, God's name be lifted up. And one of the things we looked at, one of these spiritual blessings we've been given is adoption. We are now God's children in Jesus Christ. All this is because of Jesus Christ. This... You're going to get angry. You're going to go, we can't even see that. I don't really want you to be able to read all that right now. We're going over it week by week. But this first, that's all one sentence there, essentially. And so we're in that second section. That second chunk is what we're going to talk about. The first one is what God had done for us in the past. He predestined. He chose us to be his children. Today we're going to talk about what Christ has done for us and what is presently being done for us. And then next week, Lord willing, we'll be talking about the Holy Spirit's work for securing our future, okay? So kind of giving you the the framework, the context. And then what we're going to talk about today is, um, well, let me do this before we, uh, it really shows up different on here. I'll try and make that a little lighter. But I want to just kind of ask a few questions to get you thinking. What sometimes keeps us from sharing? I'm going to read all three of these questions, and you can answer whichever one you want. What sometimes keeps us from sharing the plans we've made with others? You ever make plans, but you don't really, like, broadcast them to everybody? What maybe keeps you from sharing those with others? What kind of things hinder the plans we make, right? Every plan we make doesn't end up going the way we want, right? The things hinder them. And then what is an example of a long-term plan that in the the present it may look really messy to others because they can't see the end objective? So if they don't know the whole plan and then they just see this little spot of it and they're going, that's a total mess. And you're like, but yeah, but you don't see. Can you give an example? So anybody have any thoughts on any of those? Reese? Okay. Uh, So you might not share a plan with somebody because what if I end up messing it up or end up not being able to carry it out, right? You ever plan a new diet plan, but you don't really want to broadcast that to everybody? I know somebody who does that every now and then. (laughs) Happens to be me. What else? Any other answers to those questions? Yeah, lack of resources. Having the lack of resources. Yeah, I've tried it like three times. I don't know if I'm going to do it again. He's talking about something on the screen, so I'm I'm done fighting it. <laughs> we'll fight another battle, not that one. Yeah, lack of resources for sure, right? If you if you could make all kinds of plans if you knew you had a big old uh, chunk of dough in in the bank account, you'd probably be making different different plans than maybe the ones you're making now. Did you have one, Carly? right yeah if you've ever done a remodel or or anything like that if someone walks in or maybe even redoing your whole yard they walk in they see this disaster and it's not going to make sense to them like why does your yard look like this or why is your house in such disarray but if you explain to them oh we had to pack up everything out of this room because we're going to tear down that wall and then we're going to rebuild it like this and then we're going to oh i get it but they can't see the big picture so here's a sneak peek and then we'll pray one more time But we're going to be talking about God's plan. And the the things that hinder our plans, God doesn't have those things in his way. He carries out his plans. He carries out his plans perfectly. He's willing to reveal we're going to talk about his plans. He showcases them and says, here's my plans, everybody. Because he's not afraid he won't carry them out. We're afraid to tell people because we're thinking, what if I don't carry this out? But it is, God has a good plan for us, for all of creation, and it includes these three things. We're going to talk about them not in this order. It includes redemption, revelation, or letting us know the plan, and restoration, his restoring work. We'll talk a little bit more detail. Let me pray one more time. Father, there is just so much in these verses, and I just want to acknowledge before you that uh, I know I'm completely inadequate to communicate them effectively. But I also do know in your Holy Spirit, through your Holy Spirit, in your word that you can work in each person's heart here. Give them exactly what they need for today. I pray that you would do that, that you would just custom fit this message for each individual in here and that the things that they need is what would stand out and be clear to them. And we love you. We are grateful for your word. We are grateful that your plans do get accomplished. Uh, ours may fall on their face, but yours never do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so restoration. I'm going to go through our verses, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read the passage, and you can see there's so much in there. And then I'm going to give like an oversimplified version because as we read this passage, you may go, what does all that mean? And I just want to acknowledge We're taking like a 10,000-foot view of these verses. We could go into and look at every blade of grass, but we're getting a drone's eye view way up here and just kind of seeing the big layout of it, all right? In him, or in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our wrongdoings or sins according to the riches of his grace which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to to his good pleasure which he set forth in him regarding his plan for the fullness of times to bring all things together in Christ things in the heaven and things on the earth in him we also have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things in accordance with the plan of his will to the end that we who were first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory is that a ton of kind of confusing or is it just me that's a ton it's been a, a, a very stretching exercise to be studying out these verses and to be able to communicate them in a way that that makes sense so first thing I did is kind of boil it down into maybe a little more simple it's still not perfectly simple but a little bit more simple oversimplified version through christ we've been bought out of slavery and had our sins forgiven we can get that right God did this by lavishing us with his overabundant grace. And God's omniscience, or in the fact that he knows everything, and because it pleases him, he revealed to us his overarching plan. So he's revealed to us, he, he's not afraid to share his plan. And that plan is to bring everything back into order under Jesus Christ. God carries out every plan he makes. He chose us and predetermined that we would be his prized possessions, which would cause his glory to be praised. It make a little bit more sense. We're still going to go into it a little uh, more detail. But again, I want to just remind you, Paul is going, praise God for all the spiritual blessings we have. So now these are some of the spiritual blessings that we've been given. We're going into them. One is restoration. God's plan includes restoration. How many of you here have restored something? And what do you or what do you think of when you think of restoring something? I think of an, an old vehicle. Yeah, we got a what year is that? Seventy nine Ford. Carly's the Carly's the truck that she learned to drive in. It's a three on the tree seventy nine Ford, and kind of trying to get that going again. We're probably not going to do this big complete restoration, but it's taking something that's kind of been gotten older and broken down and trying to bring it back to a newer state right that idea of restoration you, you understand that well God has and some of you have seen this gospel circles before but God has a plan for complete restoration he has that laid out for all of eternity but I also want you to understand this applies to us every day and now this cycle that God works so let's just talk a little bit about it originally <laughs> And there we go, Jordan. Uh, That's what we were looking for. Jordan was trying to help me get that, and I got it without even trying. (laughs) Pastor's not going to say bad words tonight. It all starts with God's design. How did God design things to work in the Garden of Eden? Perfectly. Perfectly. In God's design for marriage, how is God's design for marriage? Bickering, fighting, divorce, tension, hurt feelings—perfect harmony. How did God design, or what was God's uh, plan for being full of life and in relationship relationship with Him? Did He plan it so it'd just be all broken down and busted up, and tension between us? No, He planned for there to be harmony, perfection. And what happened was God, in part of that plan, in his perfect design, he says, I'm going to give you a choice and you would be loving me back. But in giving us a choice, as we know what happened in the garden, man decided to sin, right? And what ended up being the result of that sin in the garden? Death. So we could just, we'll call it brokenness. Enslavement. You could call it uh, destruction. Right? That's the result of sin. It messed everything up there in the garden. Now, God's designed for marriage. When you start sinning against each other, sinning in marriage, what happens? Brokenness, enslavement, destruction. It happens in any area of life. All of humanity, socially speaking, that's what ends up happening. And what man does is man goes, oh, I want out of brokenness. So he tries to figure out a way out and tries to do something. Pleasure will get me. I don't have to feel the brokenness anymore if I can just feel good enough. Oh, education. If I just get enough education, I'll be smart enough and can get out of this brokenness. Oh, a relationship. If I can just find Mr. Ryder, Mr. Uh, Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Right or wrong. I can get out of this brokenness. If I just looked better, I could get out of this, uh, and I wouldn't. people would love me more if I just looked better. And then what happens is, even out of something like that, like, I don't like this brokenness. I need people to love me. And so you end up getting, I need to look better. And then there's an eating disorder, and which becomes enslavement, or all these games that just go out of this whole thing, right? I mean, we could go through just a list. I want pleasure and it turns into uh, pornography and then, uh, you know, adultery or whatever it is. It just goes rottener and rottener and rottener and rottener. That's not a (coughs) real word, but you get what I'm saying. More and more rotten. And that's the way it just keeps working and keeps working and keeps working. Until we realize that there is a Savior who can take us out of that. Brokenness. It's not through all those other avenues. It's through faith or trust in Christ. Does that make sense? By putting our faith and trust in Christ, he can repair or restore our marriage. He can repair or restore the holes in our heart. He can bring life where there was death. And maybe even you were sinned against greatly as a child, and he's the one who can bring healing as you put your faith and trust in him. And you can search for it to feel good or get it fixed on some other way, but Jesus Christ is the one who can totally, completely restore. You see this? God's design, we sin, uh, big picture personally, or, or big picture of the world, or even me personally, and then there's this brokenness, and then when I turn to Christ, in whatever way shape or form that's the way out and there begins to begin restoration and we can move back to God's design for us or our marriage and big picture for the world so that's what this passage is is talking about it says in all wisdom and insight he made known to us the mystery of his will so because God knew everything and he said I'm gonna make you know what my plan is according to his good pleasure. He wanted to do that. He set forth in him regarding the plan of the fullness of times. And so he said, I'm going to let you know what my big picture plan is. We don't want to share our plans because they may fall through. God's like, I know what's going to happen. And I'm going to share it with you exactly what my plan is. And that plan is, to bring all things together in Christ to restore things in Christ, things in heaven and things on the earth. Do you believe that? He's going to make it all better. That's his plan. He's working towards complete restoration. In him, we also have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, Uh, And part of that plan includes the fact that we are his inheritance and that we are going to bring him glory. Do you know that no matter how, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you will be bringing praise and glory to God one day? Even if you're like, me? I sin 10 times a day that I know of. And I'm sure there's a bunch of others. God's plan is that you are going to be for lack of a better words, one of his trophies of grace. Go, look what I did. I saved that person. I restored them. I made them new. All the heavens, even the angels will look at us and praise the magnificence of God because of what God has done and is doing and will completely do in us. That's his plan. We see the mess in the middle right now. We see what's going on in our society. We see what's going on in our culture. We see what's going on in our country. We see what's going on in our families. We see what's going on in our church. We see what's going on in our own hearts, our own lives. We see all that and we go, this is a mess. Remember, like I said, if you see something in the middle of of it and you're not really being aware of the end plan, it can look like a real disaster. Boy, your yard looks horrible. Man, your house is a mess. Yeah, but you don't know the final plans. And so we need to remember, as big of a mess as things are right now in our society, in our life, in our world, and even in our own hearts, that God will carry out his plan. He will make it happen. It's in the verse, it, it says, check this out. According to the purpose of him, so whose purpose is him? God's purpose, what God wants to happen Who works all things in accordance with the plan of his will? You think he's working, using even the government nonsense that goes on in our country to his? You think he is working it? If God's working something according to his will, it's happening his way, whether we like it or not. We see the messy yard, we see the messed up house, we see the car in parts or the vehicle that's being restored laid out on a garage floor going, what is this? You're like, this is part of what has to happen to completely bring restoration. So the, the idea is for us, all through the Bible, we see this timeline. I call it uh, the timeline of the seven C's of God's plan. And so the seven C's are this. The first C is creation. He created everything perfect, God's design, Right? Then we see the curse. We see the fall, sin. Remember our angle to brokenness? And then we see all this brokenness and enslavement. In fact, Israel was enslaved many times. We see the same picture that I was showing you with the the three circles. And then Jesus Christ shows up. And then we have this church built. And we know that one day Christ is going to be here on earth as king king ruling on earth. Things are getting better. And then even after that thousand years, he's going to completely restore a new heaven and a new earth. Complete restoration. It's God's plan. And he let us be privy to his plan. And I think part of why he does that is so that we can live full of hope. Can it be a little scary If you're raising kids right now, can it be a little bit scary? If you're having to face maybe a mandate for a job or make some tough decisions or trying to do this, can it be a little scary? And you can go, I don't even know what's going to happen. I can't say exactly what's going to happen in your specific situation, but I can say I know because of God's word what is going to happen big picture, and that should fill us full of hope. So God's plan is to restore and to bring restoration. I'm going to make a quick point here is that he made it known through revelation. We just read that. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us. He revealed it to us, the mystery. It was something that was kind of hidden or a silhouette or shrouded, so to speak. If you look at the Old Testament, you see these things like, what's he doing with this tabernacle thing? why these sacrifices i don't really get it what what about uh, the law and moses's law i don't what is really happening here and he's like those are symbols those are pictures of jesus christ but now the mystery has been revealed it's kind of like when they have an unveiling and they unveil a big statue or something like you can see kind of this maybe some parts of that statue with the big sheet over it and then all of a sudden they go to unveil it and they're like Ha-ha-ha! and you're like kind of thought it might be a guy on a horse, but I didn't think it was going to be a guy on a horse with a sword and a shield. And so, he's made known to us the mystery. It was something that was concealed that's now been revealed. And he wanted to do this. And I just want to make this point. Because of Revelation, we no longer need to live in doubt and fear. He made it known to us. We don't share our plans with everybody and as parents you don't always share your plans with your kids right you might be thinking like I'm not gonna tell them about you know we're planning to do this cuz if we don't end up getting to do it we're never gonna hear the end of it you know we're gonna try and go to the fair this week and it's like what day are we going to the fair what time are we going to the fair what you're like, I said we're gonna try and go to the fair this week and then you're like it's not gonna work out to go to the fair this week and there's this big disappointment we we hedge our bets on revealing but God wants us to know what his plan is. I mean, that says it right there, he made known to us. He's revealed it. And he doesn't want us to live in doubt or fear or wonder what's going on. He says, "I want you to know my plan." And I want you guys to live confidently because of it. One other thing I want to talk about and that's in this passage is God's plan includes a redemption. That's a very biblically word. It's a biblical word, and it's good for us to use that word. But what does that word mean? Does anyone know? Save. Being. Save. Saved. I mean, it's renewed. renewed. Has those ideas? Bought back. Yeah, when you redeem something, you know, as, as you would see uh, soda bottles used to say that, to redeem it, your nearest or whatever. And it's kind of like you could turn this thing in and you could get something back for it. The idea really means to buy back, to buy something back, to make it new, to save it, to rescue it. But it's there's a price being paid to buy back. So God's plan also includes our redemption. Check this out. In him, we have redemption through his blood. So there was a price for our redemption. It wasn't free jesus christ paid with his life shed his blood so that we could be the idea specifically here is bought out of slavery we don't have to live as slaves to sin we don't have to live under that and it includes our forgiveness for wrongdoings that's part of what that includes so the idea of redemption is, is being rescued, and it's because of the riches of his grace or in accordance with which he lavished on us. Again, it's not like God went like this. Like, okay, let me give you a little grace here. It's like bucketfuls and bucketfuls and bucketfuls and bucketfuls of grace on us. And it's by that grace that we have been redeemed and through Jesus Christ's blood that we've been redeemed and bought out of slavery and you're like, eh, okay. Bought out of slavery. I've never really been a slave. Like, come on." Well, slavery thing doesn't really make sense to me. Think about the things that you and I become enslaved to. The mindsets. Anybody here deal with negative self-talk or self-hatred? when it's not lined up with what God's word says? Maybe a slave to it? You're Like, I don't want to think like this. Anyone slave to a habit? We would use the word addiction in place of this. Anybody here ever struggle with any addiction things? Maybe even in some of them now, you're like, I kicked the big ones, but I still got this one. And it may not even be one of the big, you know, Drink, smoke, or chew, or go with the girls to do. It may not be those, that list. It may be something else. You're addicted to shopping. You're addicted to people pleasing. You're addicted to work. Whatever it might be. You're addicted to eating or not eating or making yourself throw up after you eat a bunch. Whatever it might be. I'm addicted to food. Addicted to food. Well, th- there's a fine line there, son. <laughs> We all got to be a little addicted to the food, but not over-addicted. You get what I'm saying. But God's word says that we don't have to live that way because Jesus Christ shed his blood to take us out of the slave market. There's a story, I'm not going to go into it, that's often told in in, uh, in the teaching of this. And it's about this little boy who built this awesome little ship or little boat that he made with sails and painted it all up and and made it and he would go sail it out on the lake go sail it out on the lake go sail it out on the lake love that little boat and then one day a big storm came up and took that boat and he could never find it again until months later he's walking through town and he goes into a pawn shop and he sees that boat and he's like sir that's my boat and the guy says no that's my boat I own that boat now. He's like, what do I need to do to get my boat back? He's like, you need to pay for it. And so the little boy goes out and works hard and does extra chores and earns, gets the money and pays the price to get the boat. And he says to his little boat, now you're twice mine. I made you and I created you and I also bought you. And that's a picture of what God has done for us and the fact that we've been redeemed. We went wayward, man. And you may be like, not so bad. I didn't do so bad. Yeah, you did. (laughs) And if you think you didn't do so bad, that's your waywardness right there, self-righteousness and pride. But God bought us back. That's an act of love through Jesus Christ and grace, through Jesus Christ's What? Here's here's what the price was paid. First Peter says this knowing that you were not redeemed or bought back with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless the blood of Jesus Christ. Now if you deal with issues of worth, that's what you're worth to God. That's the price He paid. You ever ask, like, how much is something worth? What's this old old motorcycle worth? What's this antique worth? And someone will say, it's worth whatever. Someone will pay you for it. What were you worth to God? You were worth the blood of his son. And that's why Paul is saying these amazing spiritual blessings, to have this opened up and revealed to us, it should transform us. And these are the things we're to sit in, to rest in so that we can learn to walk in them. But we need to open our heart up to them. You will not walk this life out unless you've opened your heart up to the truth of what God's done for you. You will fall flat on your face or you will try and do it in your own power and you'll get burned out. But when you open your heart up to what God has done for you and you buy into it and you go, it had nothing to do with me, had everything to do with Jesus. I don't get it, but I'm going to buy into it. I'm going to accept it. I'm going to accept the fact that he is restoring all things back that he's let me in on his plan, that he's bought me, it begins to transform you. <clears throat> this Romans 6, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you can go back and read Romans 6, and it, this talks about the fact that we are no longer have to, well, let me just catch this part, sin no longer is your master. You no longer live under the requirements of law. You live under the freedom of God's grace. We don't have to live lives of sin. We can live lives of freedom, grace-filled lives. The idea of forgiveness here in this particular word, the Greek, is, uh, the idea is freedom from bondage or imprisonment. So it's kind of like a a one-two punch. He's saying you were redeemed and forgiven, but it both has the idea of you were released from a debt you owed. Something was uh, maybe imprisonment, but you've been set free. It also has the idea of, Uh, our sins being washed away as if we had never committed them. So when God sees us, he sees the life of Jesus Christ. So because of redemption, we no longer need to live as slaves. We don't have to live that way. We don't have to live to slaves to the law. We don't have to live to slaves to be in a religious person. We don't have to live to the slaves of our flesh or our sin or the tactics of this world. The world's trying to press us in and make us slaves, isn't it? Cancel culture, this, that, Don't shut up, don't say anything. It's trying to press us in. We don't have to live as slaves because we've been bought. We've been set free. And we can live lives of grace. So let's just think about this for a minute. I know I've said a lot in the passage. I feel like I'm still skimming the surface, but I know it's a lot. God has a plan, a good plan for you. It starts with the fact that he's redeemed you. He's bought you. You're now his. You're now free. He's let us know this plan. He wants us to know his plan. And he wants us to know that his plan includes our complete restoration. If you go to the car show and you see the nicest car that's been restored. And then maybe you see some pictures of what it looked like when they pulled it out of a wash somewhere in Santan Valley. And you're like, that thing started like that. That's God's plan for you. To make us completely beautiful. And he will do that. We're going to read about that next week a little bit more. All this was possible by Jesus Christ, not our own works. To me, that is such good news. I, in and of myself, couldn't do any of this, carry out a plan, make myself any better, set myself free, none of it. But he has done this. This is what has been done. Again, kind of ask these questions. We should ask this regularly. Do you believe we things we talked about? Do you buy it? Do you buy it for yourself? If not, What don't you buy into and why? You think it's important to know these things, believe them, accept them, embrace them, meditate on them, if you're going to walk with God? And then maybe ask yourself, what would keep me from walking in this? What would hinder? Is it my past? Is it some stuff I'm doing presently? Is it what the world tells me? Is it what my parents told me? What is it? What might hinder? And I would encourage you, confront those things with God's word and go, you know what? I'm going to buy into what God says more than any of this other stuff. So how do we apply it? You're like, so what do we do? Give me something to do, Rich. I want to mess- have something to do. This is an awesome application. It's not going to be go sell your vehicles and bring your money here. <laughs> it's not going to be stop everything bad you're doing. It's not going to be clean yourself up. Here's the message application for this week. Enjoy the freedom and forgiveness that God's plan has provided for you. Enjoy it. Tell yourself over and over, I'm free, I'm forgiven, and I'm going to enjoy that. Here's the next one. I mean, if you think about this as a prescription, this is the kind of prescription we all want. Your prescription for this, week's, this week, relax, knowing that God's working out his plan. When you look at the news and see all these different things going on, Relax a little. Knowing that God has revealed his plan and he's working it out. Next, be hopeful. Confidently trusting that he is going to completely carry out his plan and restore everything. He's going to do that. So you can just enjoy freedom, enjoy forgiveness. You can relax knowing that his plan's being worked out. It looks messy now. Granted, uh, we look around the world around us, and it is a mess. But we can also be people that are filled with hope. We'll stand out as lights if we live like this. And that's his his design and desire for us, is to shine Jesus Christ in this dark, messed up world. world full of brokenness, that we would be beacons of hope and beacons of life. Even in our messed up little selves, trust me, this group here is has bright shining potential. And I know some of you are doing it now and your light is shining and it'll probably get shinier. And some of you maybe have been kind of stumbling along and you know what? I know that God wants to shine his son's life through you. And as we do this, he will do that. Let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you for the life that we have because of him, the hope we have for the future. And as we talked about earlier, this scripture is so full. Uh, It's like trying to drink from a fire hose. And so we are trusting that you will work for each person what they need to hear and take away. You will work in their heart, even if it seems unclear that you'll somehow confirm it later this week. We love you. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.